Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond. Welcome to the program. We're on to April here on the Cowboys Wire podcast, sifting through the latter waves of free agency, looking ahead to the draft. The offseason to date has been very predictable, Katie. Maybe a little too familiar for the diehard Cowboys fans out there. And you recently posted about this concept of bargain shopping, and, and that's definitely where I want to start the show. Clearly, the Cowboys' plan after the DAC deal finally got done was to target some Dan Quinn guys on defense. We now see that. Maybe let him add to the grocery list a little bit. And then kind of fill it out from there with a lot of cheap one-year contracts. That's what we've seen over the past week with Dallas signing a couple safeties, Keanu Neal and DeMonte Kazee. I mean, if Cowboys fans didn't see this thing coming, then I know they haven't been listening to this podcast enough, KD, because I know not one of these moves, these things that have happened over the last week or so, none of this has to surprise you at all. You know, Ryan, I I have a good friend um, in Cowboys writing uh, the the atmosphere in in the universe of of being a Cowboys writer. And we talk all the time, and one of the things that we're debating right now is about whether or not we should take Kyle Pitts or Patrick Sertain. Yep. Uh, everybody who listens to this podcast clearly knows where I fall in that equation. Uh, and my good friend Joey Ikes is on the other side of the equation. And he made a point uh, about basically the Cowboys have technically ignored defense in the first round of the draft over the last decade. And when we were going through all of the things, a revelation came to my mind, and it was – the issue isn't that the Cowboys have ignored defense. The issue is that the Cowboys just really suck at picking defense. And because of the fact that they suck at picking defense, they should do better and make more efforts to find quality free agents mm. when it comes to that part of the offseason. And when you look at what the Cowboys have done once again this year, they've really once again ignored all of the needs that they have and gone bargain shopping. I liken it to having the opportunity to drive – a little bit out of your regular neighborhood and go to the nice expensive mall where you can truly afford things, but you're kind of lazy. So you go to the local, you know, uh, outside strip mall and you just kind of pick and choose that little, you know, the five and dime stores and all that kind of stuff. And you say, well, you know, I need a shirt. This is this shirt. I don't have to go get Gucci or Versace, but you know, this shirt is good enough and it's not really quite good enough for the dance that you're trying to go to for the club that you're trying to get into. The Cowboys would love to be in the Super Bowl Lombardi club, but they're not dressed for the occasion. Security will not let them in because they keep bargain shopping when it comes to how they're going to dress their defense for the upcoming season. And once again, we're seeing that. DeMonte Kazee is fine. Uh, He's hopefully is recovered from his Achilles, but you're risking that he's not recovered from his Achilles. Keanu Neal is fine. You're hoping that after the back-to-back injuries, the ACL, then his Achilles, that 2020 was the aberration. It was just him coming back from the injury and not going to be his ceiling moving forward as far as his athleticism. But the Cowboys are not also signing other players at this position, at these positions to make sure that they're able to compete on a level if their draft pick does not ascend, if they don't get that diamond in the rough draft pick that comes in and plays like a veteran from day one. If they don't get that in the draft, these positions still need a lot of help. And year after year, the Cowboys keep putting themselves in these positions. Yeah, no, that was a great way to put it. And I actually want to read from your column because I, I did. I love this column. And I knew this would trigger you. So this is why we had to start the show here, Katie. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to quote from your column. 
With the draft less than a month away, Dallas has a solution for their safety rotation. It just doesn't have the definitive solution. They've chosen to bargain shop and free agency and plug holes, which will allow them freedom come the draft. But if that freedom doesn't lead them to a top 100 safety capable of starting early, if not on day one, then they may be yet again shopping in the wrong store in the wrong mall. You see, that's why I had to put the uh, the little grocery thing. I, I said shop for the groceries with Dan Quinn because <laughs> I, I just love these little, like, little anal- analogies you're throwing in here. But the translation is you get what you pay for, right? You get what you pay for. And they're yep. just the also the translation is another like layer of the translation. Are you looking for them now to invest an early draft pick in the safety position? Doesn't have to be number 10, but it has to be round two or round three at least, right? Like we need to see them actually address this thing and not feel like Kazee and Neil are the solution. The Cowboys have four picks in the top 100. They're at 10, they're at 44, they're at 75, they're at 99, which also means that when you look at their fourth round picks, they have the capability of moving up and combining any of those early picks to move up even further to get a guy. I'm, I'm a big opponent of moving up from 10. I don't believe that you trade up in the first round. We talked about that last week. But after that, you go get your guy. If the Cowboys have four picks in the top 100, and one of those isn't a safety that can come in and have an impact, you have multiple players. You have Trevor Morick. You have Richie Grant, Ardarius Washington, um, the Johnson kid out of Indiana. Multiple players at safety. You could even convert Elijah Molden out of, out of Washington. Multiple players that could come in and have an impact at safety. If the Cowboys want to be bargain basement shoppers and go in filings, I don't know if that's dating me. You know, if I say that name, if, if the listeners yeah, will actually know. Yeah, 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 100%. Right, exactly. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if the listeners will actually know what that is. <laughs> Bradley's or um, yeah. Burlington Coat Factory, whatever the case may be. Five if you're years. shopping there continuously during veteran free agency and you don't at least take the risk to get a grade A person at that position after all of these years, year after year after year, they keep ignoring this position and just trying to put band-aids on it, and it's not working. They do not value the safety position just like they don't value the nose tackle position, and the Dallas defense has been, it's been a victim of that philosophy over the last decade. You can't sit here and look at the Dallas defense and the fact that you only get a good performance every once in a while and then say, well, we still believe in this philosophy. You're doing your fans, you're doing your coaching staff, you're doing your players a disservice if you don't analyze what you're doing and then change your approach to talent acquisition. And the Cowboys have to do that. They didn't do it in free agency. They have to do it in the draft or else we're going to be looking back at this and saying again, why can't the Cowboys ever put up a defense that is at the top of the league? They're not going to be at the top of the league this year. But the foundation of that is getting enough serviceable players that can be that in the future. Now, I know the Joneses aren't shopping for their suits at Filene's. Why are they getting their safeties in there, Katie? You know, I mean, that's that's what it is. So it's uh, it's brilliant, man. That's they do not stuff. they do not shop on the rack. <laughs> no, no, they I do not. promise you, the Joneses don't shop from the rack. <laughs> no, they don't. So uh, so speaking of moving up in the first round, uh, we haven't talked since this big shakeup to the draft order. Now the 49ers jumping up from twelve to three. What a ridiculous price tag that thing takes, right? The number 12 yeah. pick this year, a first and third next year, and then another first-round pick in 2023 just to move up nine spots. Obviously, the 49ers aren't doing that thing unless they're drafting a quarterback, and I think Shanahan basically right. admitted that in his presser afterwards. So, you know, when he's talking about Garoppolo and saying, oh, guys, believe me, he's our guy. 
for 2021. He's our guy. He's our guy for 2021. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they're definitely picking a QB. So we know that. So maybe we weren't so sure about Miami, but now we know 49ers are picking a QB at number three. And then the Dolphins made this really interesting move, hopping back up from 12 to six. And I don't feel like the Dolphins are doing this whole thing, KD, with a quarterback in mind. I now feel like they're going to draft someone at number six. And I am like, I am just, I've convinced myself that they're going to pick Pitts at number six. I think they're moving up to six yeah. for a reason. Yeah. I think it's Pitts. So that's just my gut reaction. But I think the whole thing about a quarterback getting drafted one, two, three, four, definitely in play now. That's for sure. The, I think Pitts is probably going to go before 10. That's just a prediction. I'm wondering now about Sertan, and, and now maybe he will be there. I mean, you got to think there's at least a chance that another guy could probably be there at 10 that the Cowboys are interested in. Maybe it's going to be an offensive lineman that we didn't think would slip. Uh, but now I'm starting to think like the dream for Pitts is kind of over for me because like you said, if we're not moving up in the first round and we see the price tag, I don't want to do that either. It's ridiculous. How do you think this shakeup at the top with the Niners and the Dolphins and the Eagles What's the direct effect for the Cowboys at 10? There's a lot to unpack there. Um, first and foremost, we do have an idea of what those three teams that were involved in the trades are thinking. You're correct. The San Francisco 49ers are very interested. The only way that you're going to give up two additional first and a third round pick is if you're moving to get a quarterback. So we know what that's going to be in there. And in addition to that, we know that they think that there are three quarterbacks that are worthy of not waiting around to hope that they fall to you and doing so. A lot of rumors about that being Mac Jones. I don't know if I believe that. Uh, I would probably lean towards that and really want to get Justin Fields because everybody seems to assume that Trevor Lawrence is one, Zach Wilson is two, and then the draft starts at three. We know that Miami does not want a quarterback because if you wanted a quarterback, why would you leave from having a choice of three exactly. to fall all the way back to 12 and then come back up to six? You're not moving off of three if you're planning to take a quarterback. So we know that about them. Philly is not leaving from six to go all the way back to 12 if they intend to take a quarterback. So we also know that about them. That gives us a little bit of insight into how the quarterbacks are going to fall, but it doesn't give us a total picture because, as you said, we could still see one through four going quarterback, probably not Atlanta, possibly Atlanta, but probably not Atlanta, which means that they could then be bailing on the fourth pick now, You know, once those first three picks come off the board. And let's say San Francisco does a crazy thing and Mac Jones is, is the number three pick. Then Atlanta could easily sell number four for Justin Fields or Trey Lance, and then you're also looking at other picks that could you know, eventually see mm. both of those guys taken in the top nine. The issue for Dallas is that we could still see five quarterbacks go in the top nine picks, and Dallas still get wiped out on all of the players that they want. <laughs> sure. You could still see yep. Pitts. You could see Pitts go. I mean, you know Chase is going to go in the top seven. That's, that's pretty – Apparent. I mean, wide receivers slipped last year, so you know anything. Anything is possible. Shout out to Kevin Grant. Um, but Pitts, Chase, Sewell, and Sertain are probably most people's ideas of the next four players. Five plus four is nine. Cowboys are at ten, so you could very easily see a scenario where their top picks are not going to be there for them. It makes it more likely with Philadelphia dropping out that one of those guys, uh, you know, falls to them. But it's not a guarantee. If I was a betting man, I would say that Sewell is either going to go four or five, depending on if Atlanta bails or not. And if he doesn't go four, I would almost guarantee that he goes to Cincinnati at five. Uh, if they don't take Sewell, then you're looking at Chase most likely. Yeah, Carolina. makes sense. They got to keep Burrow up, yeah. right, you know? Exactly, exactly. Then you have Carolina at number eight. Denver at nine is a very big threat to take Sertain. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of options. Now, the Cowboys could conceivably go a different direction. Rashawn Slater – 
out of Northwestern, has the same position flexibility as Panay Sewell. He's able to play guard until Teron Smith retires and move him over to left tackle. So you could easily see him being a top 10 pick. J.C. Horn tested out of this world. I don't think there's that much difference between him and Sertain. I think Sertain is clearly the better of the two cornerbacks, but I don't think there's as big of a gap that you're seriously disappointed that Horn is going to be your pick. So I think when you add those two players into the mix, the Cowboys are guaranteed to get one of those five guys, and I think that should be okay. I think you should walk away from day one extremely ecstatic if you get one of those five guys. Really the only way that the Cowboys can screw this up is A, if they trade up to get somebody and give up draft capital that they need to round out the rest of the roster, or if they take the linebacker and Michael Parsons. That's really the only way that they're going to screw this up. <laughs> All right, I'm going to mark that down for future reference just in case Parsons is the pick. Yeah, I've seen him mocked to literally every single team, I think, you know, outside the top five or whatever, Micah Parsons. He's going everywhere. He's going late. I, he's going mid-round, he's, he's you a, know. Yeah. yeah. He's an athletic monster, but he sat out a year. And he's not a linebacker. He's, he's an edge rusher, and you can do a lot of creative things with him. But everybody that I know, and I'm not a, I'm not a scout. I'm not an aspiring scout. I basically take my hat off to those guys that, that really dive into the tape. But the people that I trust, when they review Parsons' tape, they say he is nowhere ready to be a linebacker. And then when you throw that into the fact that I don't believe that linebacker is as important a position, and I don't think that you should be investing first-round picks in the position anyway, then it's doubly wrong to take him at number 10, and then it's triply wrong to take a guy that's probably not ready to be a linebacker on day one to be able to help you out at that position. I just it, it would it would really, really be against everything I believe in in this draft if they took Parsons. No, you're right. There, there is so much to unpack there, and uh, these teams like the Panthers and the Broncos are such wild cards. It's going to be really fun to see what, what the hell they do, and it's going to change. It's gonna, yep. A lot's going to change in real time as we're going in the first round. Can't wait for that. And in other Cowboys news, Katie, we heard from the coach, Mike McCarthy. Where has he been? We didn't see him at the Dak Prescott presser, right? He was on a <laughs> beach somewhere in Florida. So McCarthy has made his – he's showed his face. We'll talk about that coming up next. What's your reaction when the when the dead deal was done? One and two. How much better or how much more can he improve having an entire off season to work with you and to work in the system? Well, I mean, I was I, I was actually uh, I was in Florida when the deal was was finally completed. Uh, it's, it's a lot easier to do cartwheels on the sand. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rich is having a hell of a visual over there right now, but uh, yeah, no, I was I was obviously very excited. I, I think that you know he is definitely the keystone of of moving forward uh, as a football team. So uh, I was I was very excited about that, and you know he was just finishing up his workout out on the field. You know as I walked in here, so he's you know he's he's making progress and he's on course, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited about year two of, of the offense because, you know, frankly, in a lot of ways, we feel like we didn't really have get to have year one. So, uh, so we're excited about what we can do this year with a healthy offense. Well, there's Mike McCarthy, KD. Good to hear from him for a change. Oh, God, he's on a beach in Florida right before the start of free agency, huh? Good to be Mike McCarthy. Jeez, and I've never seen him so excited to Must see the media. Nice. Yeah, man. And, uh, <laughs> man, he was excited to see those media faces, huh? He was, he was all fired up in his presser. I think he talked for like 45 minutes or something. Uh, he looks good. He looks refreshed. Him had a nice vacation. Uh, what do you think about his? What was your key takeaways from the McCarthy presser? There was a lot there. Talk about stuff to unpack. There was, he he touched on all kinds of stuff in that in that presser. But the main point was Dak Prescott. He was doing cartwheels in the sand, so he's happy. 
Yeah, pretty much. Uh, that, that's the major takeaway. And I did find it shocking that he wasn't at the Dak Prescott uh, conference. But we know with pandemic and travel rules and all those sorts of things. So you kind of give him a, a mulligan on that. Though you would like to see, you know, if you're anointing somebody the face of your franchise and signing them to that long, you know, to the long term second contract, you would like to see your coach there on the stage with them. But for whatever reason, he wasn't there. Uh, he talked about Prescott and his leadership. We, we love to hear all of those sorts of things. Uh, most importantly, he talked about how the defense is going to look, because while we haven't heard from Mike McCarthy in a long time, we also have yet to hear from the new defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. Mm. So McCarthy gave us a bunch of tidbits about what we're expected to see. And he did kind of say that they were happy with how the defense ended down the stretch uh, of the season when they were getting turnovers and they looked like they were finally coming together. Uh, he mentioned that they probably made the mistake of trying to install too much considering the parameters of what they were faced with in trying to go into the season, which is something that I harped on, uh, on, on podcasts, in my writing all the time. They just simply did not adjust for the fact that the pandemic changed lives in every aspect of America. And they wanted to go bullheaded into the season. We're going to do this hybrid defense. We're going to do it hell or high water. And they suffered for it. So hearing him at least admit that made me feel a little bit better that at least they're cognizant of the mistakes that they made. But they're really, really looking to be all in for this year. They're looking at it as basically year one, part two. Uh, you heard that in the quote that, you know, we didn't get to do a lot of things that we wanted to do. So I'm really interested to see how the offense merges Kellen Moore's offense with Mike McCarthy's West Coast preference. That's really going to be interesting to me because the offense was humming. If it weren't for turnovers, Ezekiel Elliott had a fumbling problem. Prescott threw more interceptions uh, in the first four games that you'd ever seen in another four-game stretch of his career. Uh, if it weren't for those things, everything else about the offense was just spectacular. And that was just basically with them running on what Moore had done the year before. So now you incorporate the West Coast offense into that, and what could we possibly see, especially with a weapon like Kyle Pitts, but <laughs> let me not digress. Oh, let's dream. Let's dream, <laughs> my man. Right, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so so that's pretty much it that they were talking about the scheme, how it's still going to continue to be a hybrid scheme. Dan Quinn is not necessarily married to what he was in Seattle, what he was in Atlanta. Uh, there are going to be some changes. They still have to get him better personnel. But yeah, it was definitely an optimistic look for Mike McCarthy. And honestly, he has to be pretty happy because after the way that last season started, there were no guarantees that he was going to make it to 2021. And I think based on what we're looking at with all the free agent signings, this is one key note that I've picked up on. Jordan Lewis is the only player that they signed to a long-term deal. Dak Prescott, of course, but Jordan Lewis was the only other free agent that got signed to a multi-year deal. Everybody else is on a one-year contract. It's not just because the cap is so difficult for the Cowboys to manage because of the reduced number from 198 to 182. The Cowboys front office is also saying, we aren't committing to these guys that you think can help you because we don't know if you're going to be here next year. Mm -hmm. So I think that edict has really been, it's quietly been talked about, uh, you know, amongst the scuttlebutt, but not in public. And I, I think that's to me as a clearest sign that the Joneses are in win now mode, that they have not allowed Mike McCarthy to go out and spend crazy money and get guys that could, you know, you would have to pay a long-term contract to in order to bring them to Dallas. Not everybody is going to be willing to just take a one-year contract. The bigger names in free agency, the Anthony Harris's and the uh, John Johnson and those safeties, they weren't going to come on a one-year contract. And it seems to be that the Cowboys were only offering those. And that to me is an, is an indication they aren't 
as high on McCarthy and his staff as they were last year, and they need to see more out of him to know that this is going to be the path they continue on. No, I think that's a that's an awesome observation. That's that's great. And one thing that was super refreshing in the McCarthy presser was kind of like like you said with the defense. He wasn't trying to put the lipstick on the pig, right? He was admitting that. All right, yeah, the defense was bad awful like it's not like he said those exact words I'm paraphrasing but he basically admitted the defense was terrible last year and I know it so I'm not going to try to like you know give you some philosophical or you know political answer about the defense (laughs) actually being better than no it it was terrible and we're trying to fix it so uh whether they're going about fixing it the right way that's a story for another podcast right but uh so (laughs) but McCarthy also does all these weird things during the presser first of all he, he starts talking about Alden Smith as if he's coming back which we're like what Mike we you were on the beach, but we all thought Alden Smith was gone. So uh, apparently Alden Smith might come back to the Cowboys or at least McCarthy hasn't shut the door on that yet. And then he basically announces that Ty Crawford is retiring before Crawford got a chance to do yep. it. And then like five minutes after the presser airs, they are, you know, the Cowboys are on Twitter announcing Crawford's retirement. So that thing was kind of funny too. So uh, I don't know if uh, McCarthy was really in midseason form, staying tight lipped about some of this stuff. He was kind of like, he's kind of let, he's firing from the hit, man. That sun kissed Mike McCarthy right off the beach in Florida, <laughs> right? He was letting all, he was letting us know all the things going on behind the scenes. I, I found, I got a kind of a, got a kick out of that. Yeah. Another thing he wasn't in midseason form on was he was asked about, uh, the signing of um, Keanu Neal, and he started talking about Jerron Curse. Like they they asked him specifically about Keanu Neal, and he started rattling off, "Oh yeah, he's a six foot four guy. He bear hugs you. He envelops. He played in Minnesota and Detroit, and everybody's and, and, and that's that's just not Keanu Neal." So uh, that that was pretty interesting. He was definitely not in midseason form, but it was a candid interview. Um, hopefully, he does get in midseason form before the regular season gets here. Uh, not just with his interview in the way he approaches this season. Um, I'm really looking forward to see what they do with a full off season. It's, it's very difficult, but yeah, um, Alden Smith, it's always interesting when you have reports coming out of the Cowboys camp because everybody has a source. Ed Werder is the one that reported that the Cowboys were out on Alden Smith. It's something that's been talked about uh, again, the scuttlebutt for multiple weeks that they weren't going to be looking to resign him. Ed Werder is the first person that put his name on that as an official report. Uh, and his source is clearly not Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy was no. like, I don't really know where you're hearing that. We're not out on Alden Smith. I'm not out on Alden Smith. Yeah. Somebody in the front office is, and that person probably outranks Mike McCarthy, if you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, so I, I, would exactly probably, I would probably say that he's, yeah, I, I would say that he's probably not going to make his way back, but it is what it is. And yeah, and ruining Tyrone Crawford, having the chance to announce his own retirement, I mean, that's apropos for the situation, man. That, <laughs> I know he's not your favorite. It is what it is. With, with him. Yeah, it, and, and again, and I have, I have to remind myself to say it's not about him. I have no problem with the dude personally. I just have a problem with that contract. And for me, it's, it's personal, but not against him. It's me personal against the organization because in the early days of me doing contracts and doing the cap, you know, trying to get myself established as a cap guru for the Cowboys, one of my ideas got floated to the team. And I said, Tyrone Crawford is a $4.5 million guy. And word got back to me that when that, when that information was floated to them, when it was basically checked against the, the contract guys, I was laughed at. And they signed him to $9 million like three days later, $9 million a year. And he never came close to, to meeting that, uh, that value of a deal. So for me, it's personal. I, I, I rarely take my takes and then project them onto the team. But I feel 
absolved of my sins. I, <laughs> yes, I wasn't you, rooting you for him should. to fail, but I feel absolved that I was correct that he never lived up to that contract that they gave him. So it I is knew, what it is. I knew there was a can of worms there because I, re- I remember last year in some ran- I, I threw some random free agency like question at you. I knew Crawford was one of their highest, <laughs> high, you know, highest paid free agents that were coming up. And I, I asked you a question about Crawford and you got all fired up. I'm like, whoa, what did I, I did something. I opened up the can of worms. So that's good. Now I know the backstory to that. So I, I do appreciate that. Kid. There you that's, go. That's good to know, my man. All right, let's leave it here. Uh, the Cowboys have added a game to their schedule. We know we're going 17 games yep. now in the regular season. They're playing my Patriots, so you better be scared. I know the Patriots mm-hmm. are really beefing up. Belichick, he's taking it seriously. He's mad that Tom Brady won KD. He's not ready to go 7-9 yep. again. Uh, but, you know, the 17-game the schedule thing, it's, it's a polarizing topic. The players freaking hate it, obviously. Doesn't really align with the league saying that they're, they care about player safety when you're adding another game to the schedule. But, you know, for us football fans, it's another week of football. Another week of fantasy, another week of sports betting, another week of those awesome playoff races that really came down to the wire with the expanded playoffs. So there's definitely some good for the, from the fan angle. I know the players hate it. What do you think about the 17-game the schedule now being official for 2021? Yeah, I'm happy. More important football. Uh, we have so little of it. The season goes by so quickly. Yeah. So one more important game. I'm all for that. Uh, but yeah, I feel like a bit of a hypocrite because I'm such a player advocate for everything else. But, yeah, this, this is not fair for the players to have to take on another regular season game. Uh, it, it's, really, it's really not good for them. And I understand, I think Alvin Kamara basically had the, uh, the best tweet about it. He, he cursed him, so I'm not going to repeat what he said. But go look up Alvin Kamara's reaction to the uh, additional game. It's very succinct, very short, uh, but it got exactly to the point. Um, yeah, it, it, you can't say that the league is all about player safety when you're dealing with this. Now, the, on the plus side, Along with the additional game comes the trigger that the CBA percentage for the amount that goes to the salary cap gets bumped up to 48%. So it was 47.5% and goes up to 48%. Half a percent doesn't seem like much, but when you're talking about a billion dollar industry, mm-hmm. it means a lot. It's, it's, it's basically, uh, you know, dealing with not just the percentage going up, but the amount of revenue that comes from another week for all of the networks, all of these deals that they just signed with ESPN, CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, all of those deals now have a whole nother week and a kicker that was already negotiated into those contracts. So this additional game literally means another multiple million dollars into the salary cap for each team every year. So in that regard, it does help the players, but it's literally in exchange for their life expectancy. So, you know, on that front, you kind of have to feel bad for them. But again, I, I hate to use the phrase multiple times in one show, but it is what it is. There's no turning back on this. And by the next CBA, we're going to be up to 18 games. So what are we going to do then? Seriously, yeah. And, you know, the only thing I worry about, and this is a developing thought. I haven't really thought this one out. I haven't workshopped this enough yet, Katie, to really bring it out. But uh, the the idea of load management entering into the NFL. Now, I don't think it'll be the same thing as, you know, Kawhi Leonard telling the Clippers, guys, I'm not playing today. You know, I need I need a day. Uh, right. It's not going to be that thing right. in the NFL. But snap reduction, you know, maybe they expand on the 53. So you have more players at your disposal and you can limit snaps a little bit. I don't know. I think fans yep. might not love not seeing their, their favorite players out there as much because I think this will creep its way in. If they keep expanding the regular season and adding games, we're going to see some type of load management thing going on in the NFL because I don't think they're going to be able to have enough concessions on the practice time and that stuff to right. really make the players happy. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. There's not much less practicing that you can do compared to how they used to practice back in the day. Uh, I, I do think that they're going to adopt the pandemic 
uh, roster rules when it comes to IR and bringing guys back and do, being able to do all of those things. I think that is going to be here to stay now that we're adding the 17th game. I think that's a clear way that they can assist in the ability to bring people back from the practice squad, move guys up and down, and all those things that really should have been in position to begin with. I think those get adopted because the league is always tricky in the way that they deal with the players, the players union, they basically trick the players union into thinking that they're winning things that they were going to be, that they were going to give them anyway. And this is clearly going to be one of those things. You're going to allow all of these roster things. They're going to be like, Oh, well, we understand your complaints here. Let us give you all of these roster perks so you can put people on IR for a couple of weeks and then bring them back and do all of these sorts of things. That's going to be the way we operate moving forward. And the players association is going to be like, okay, cool. But that's stuff that they were going to do anyway. So I can clearly see, see that being, the solution I'm doing air quotes right now. You can't see me, but the solution <laughs> to this issue of being able to manage uh, the players over the multiple weeks, over the excess weeks now. Well, be afraid Cowboys. You got to deal with my Patriots in 2021. Very scary pa- Patriots with Bill Belichick <laughs> fired up. He was at Mac Jones's pro day. So yeah. I might have to take that thing back. We'll see what happens there. Uh, yeah, no. exactly. I was about to say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? The Patriots are a wild card too, but you know, in, in the draft, but we'll, we can get there later. They, but they spent a they spent a lot of money, they, man. They, they spent did. a lot of money this this past all season. They did, man. They, Not used to that. They're trying something different. They're trying something different. We'll see if it works out. It probably won't. <laughs> um, you, you still need the quarterback. You know what I mean. So we'll see. We'll see how that works out. But hey, man, good stuff as always. Stay well. All right. All right, my guy. Good talking to you. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.